Hey guys, brand new podcast, brand new podcast. I want to let you know that we have great new footwear available at freewaters.com. They are house shoes. Leanne calls them house shoes. I don't know what Freewater calls them. She calls them the greatest ever house shoes ever made. We've got machine and mechanic. That's right. Ladies and men's. All you got to do is go to freewater.com. I think they're almost sold out. But if you are just hearing this, run over there and see if they've got your size. They are amazing. These are the house shoes I wore every day on the cabin as my house shoe. So when we shot the cabin, oh, my show, The Cabin, is streaming right now on Netflix. Go to Netflix and watch The Cabin. It is awesome. It is awesome. It's, I, and I can say that because I'm very I'm in it very little. I have all my hilarious friends on there. Joey Diaz, Tom Segura, um, Nikki Glazer, Bobby Lee, Donnell Rollins, Anthony Anderson, Joel McHale, Kaylee Cuoco, Miss Pat, uh, Big J Okerson, Dion Cole, Fortune Feimster, Fluffy. I keep calling him just Fluffy. Uh, Gabriel Iglesias. It's, it's, I'm very proud of this show. I hope you enjoy it. But like I was saying, I wore these free water shoes every day uh, on set at the cabin because it was freezing. We shot it in January. And man, I wore the fuck out of these shoes. And they did not, they, they are still like brand new. They are still like brand new. And we just came out with these new set of house shoes that have a little artwork in the center and that Leanne is going through the roof for. And she is buying them for everyone for Christmas. I think if you throw in your order right now, you will get them by Christmas. I can't promise that, but I'm almost pretty certain that that's why we did it at this time frame. So treat yourself, go to freewaters.com and freewaters.com and get yourself some house shoes. Um, also, uh, my Hot Summer Nights tour continues through November, November 6th and 7th. I'm in San Francisco and Sacramento, roughly Sacramento. I think it's Burlingame. Uh, respectively, November 20th. I'm in Reno, November 20th and 21st. I'm in Reno. Um, those are socially distanced indoor events. So uh, it's half the capacity, but they're going to be amazing. I haven't been indoors now in forever. It seems like a, a lifetime. So I can't wait to do those. And then on the 28th, I am in Escondido, <coughs> down in San Diego. I have a big surprise for the Escondido show, the early show. A huge, huge fucking surprise. Uh huge per surprise. Um, and we've added a show there. I think we've added it. I am not, not sure if it's up on my burperper.com. I am sorry. The podcast is late this week. Uh, I have been overwhelmed. We got off tour. Uh, I did a show last night with Tom Segura at the Holly at, I keep saying the Hollywood bowl at the Rose bowl, me, Tom Segura, Christina Pajinski, Dave Williamson, and Jay Leno did a show last night at the Rose Bowl. It was amazing. It was so fucking great. It was so fun to do. I had a blast. Thank you for everyone coming out. I've got a video that will release probably today. You're getting this today. The podcast is late. We have been backed up with content, you know, promoting the cabin. I did Conan on Tuesday. Um, Shout out to Conan. Thank you so much for having me on. That was a fucking blast. Um, I've been doing interviews every day. It's been just a tad bit overwhelming. So thank you for your patience on uh, and and getting the podcast a little late. New Two Bears, One Cave is up. It's with Ryan Sickler. It is awesome. I refuse to listen to it because I think it might be better than the ones we do. Um, and then there'll be a new one with me. No, no, I think new one next week is with Tim Dillon. I think we got another one with Tim. I think the Dobbs trying to get me the fuck out of that podcast. But Tim Dillon's absolutely murdering it. And I I will be dead honest with you. You know, when we started Two Bears, One Cave, our 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 motto was like every other week. We didn't want to overwhelm ourselves. And then when the pandemic clicked in, we were like, yeah, man, we're here. Let's just do every week. And then when I started touring, it became a little difficult for us to do 
um, as, as much as I was touring this last run and with promoting the cabin, it became a little tough. And so thank you to Tim Dillon and Ryan Sickler and even Bobby Lee. Bobby Lee was on an episode and those are great episodes. And listen, uh, I think that's the cool thing about podcasting is it's always fluid. It's always fun. And, and, and all we want you to do is like it. All we want you to do is like it. So I'm glad everyone is absolutely loving Ryan Sickler more than they love me. I get it. No, <laughs> but Tim Dillon's next week before the election. My birthday is November 3rd on the election. Hey, how about this? Take a second from burning down your village and and calling your parents and berating them for their politics and wish me happy birthday. <laughs> oh my God. Last night's show was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I had a fucking blast. I had a real fucking blast thank you to tom segura for coming out and agreeing to do a show with me it was amazing we did a meet and greet on the back of a golf cart that i think tom will never forget oh i don't have my phone i have the greatest goddamn picture of tom on the back of a golf cart that defines the way we see the world i look at this as fucking amazing and tom's like what the fuck are we doing on a golf cart it was an amazing night it was an amazing 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 night you gave your address out to about two thousand people Oh, cool. Awesome. <laughs> Don't remember that. I was a little buzzed at the end of the night. Uh, uh, I, d- I didn't, by the way, did I, dr- I saved my drink until the machine story. When Tom got on stage, that might've been the funnest part of the night is me and Tom fucking around on stage. Uh, but thank you everyone, everyone who came out. It was amazing. I think I've promoted everything I need to promote, right? Yeah. Yeah. DC's special. Oh, so. Today's guest is DC Benny. Now, I, me and Bill Burr are going to have DC on our podcast because b- both of us have known DC for probably now. I, I've known him as long as I've been doing comedy. He was literally, and I don't know if I go in, I, I know I go into probably a little detail on this, but I don't think I share enough detail to say DC Benny defined destroying on stage for me. He defined what it was like to murder, to kill. DC would have them rattling, like rattling. the The room would be rattling. When you know, you don't understand what it's like to go on stage after DC Benny and have him have the room be vibrating. I mean, when I say a murderer, he was so he was so tight. So, and he's got a special out that is exactly this. When I saw when you say jokes per minute, you know, I was I. I sorry, Halston. I'll, I'll lower my volume so you don't hear those pings. Everyone's like, did I just get an email? When you, when, when I did secret time, I was very, I was very, it's a very New York thing, but I was, I wanted my jokes per minute to be very high. I wanted laughs per minute to be very high in the first like 10, I, 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 I literally did that special in a way that I want. I went, this got to be very New York, like rapid fucking fire little flutter punches into the stomach where they don't even realize they can't breathe. And then, and then, and then I did that special where I was like, and closer at 22 minutes. And so that people continue watching the rest of the special. Cause I knew there was a drop off at 30. When I say that, that is a distinct New York style. That is DC Benny. That is a guy that I watched in my formative years, my first six months of comedy. And I tell him this, I didn't realize how good he was. I didn't realize all the things he was doing on stage until I got older in comedy and it was like, God damn it, man. He could do what, what we try to do now with storytelling seamlessly. And it didn't even seem like a story. He was doing jokes, 
but it didn't even seem like a story. It was like, it was like this big, it was amazing. It really was amazing. And no one was telling stories in these New York rooms at the time. This was set up punch. This was, you gotta remember, this is like David tell Jim Norton, you know, set up punch. <laughs> you know what men are women like not, not that's a bad example. You know, men and women, but I, I, I was thinking about this, a tell joke the other day. He used to say, uh, by the way, that's how great David tell is. Even in talking about another comic, I end up going back to how great David tell is. Uh, uh, a lot of a lot of comics say men and women are different. Men and women are different. Well, I'd like to point out their similarities. The men and women are very similar when they're on fire. It's not, hey, my vagina's on fire. Put me out. Oh, I want to be put out and taken shopping. It's help. I'm burning to death. But that's you got to remember that's the style of New York at the time. And DC has this new special, uh, a drift in predicament. Stories of a shoulda. Should have known better. Stories of a, sh- a drift in predicament. We released it on All Things Comedy, and it is awesome. It is fucking awesome, and it is who DC is. And DC is a. I, we talk about this a little bit. I tried to leave a little. It was a. This was a tough interview because I, I didn't want to talk. Go into too depth because I knew that Bill and I are talking to him. I think next week, and I wanted to make sure that I had enough. That we, we had enough to talk about on that, so you weren't listening to two interviews. Because I know I've done that before. Where like I've had people that have been on Rogan on my show. And then I just ask them all the questions Rogan asked them. And then people are like, why the fuck would I listen to this? I should have listened to Rogan. I wanted to make sure that we had two different interviews because I want as many people to go to this special as possible. You know, with, with all these comics releasing specials on YouTube, Mark Norman, um, uh, Joe list, uh, Sam Morell, all these guys are New York comics influenced by guys like DC Benny. And so I want to make sure everyone sees this special. So if you have a time, I have a moment this weekend, or if you do not want to deal with the election and you've already voted and you just, you want it to just shake out and come out in the wash, take a minute and enjoy some stand-up comedy, some amazing stand-up comedy with great stories, great characters and amazing jokes all throughout it. This special is that good. I really, honestly, I was listening this morning. I listened the other day, started listening. I was like, I don't want to listen too much. And then this morning I was got up and I was hit play and I was in the pool, just kind of smiling. It's that good. So um, I think that's it. I think that's a, is that a good enough intro? I think so. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my guest for the Burt cast this week, stand-up comedian, DC Benny. What's up, buddy? Oh, <laughs> it shit. is so good to talk to you, man. It is so good to talk to you. Hurt in the house, man. It's been a long time, bro. It's long been a really time. long time. I'm listening to your special this morning. And and can I tell you, can I tell you the biggest, I, I literally am sitting there making coffee and I went, I only really got to see you do stand up when I was brand new at stand up. So everything you did was everything you did was a magic trick to me. Like I, everything you, that you, every tool in your tool belt was just overwhelming. It's almost like going, like uh, going, like going and getting uh, like going and having a great, really nice meal, but being a homeless person and saying, <laughs> and like, no, this is great. It's fucking awesome. It's I'll take more uh, as after now having done stand up for 21 years or whatever, I'm listening to your special and I'm going, Oh my God, his stand up is so 
thick with fucking talent. Like it is, I'm blown away. DC, this is a great oh, special. This is, I appreciate it, man. You're, 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 you're very sweet, man. I, I appreciate it, man. No, I mean, it's, you, know. you, you have so many, like, you know, I, I, I when I, when I, I, I there's so much of this is going to be, cause you know, I think your style dictated so much of what I liked about stand up, and, 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 we were, I mean, Burr and I were just talking about you. You were the guy that like would light the Boston on fire. You had a, you had a pace and a rapidness and a, and a, I don't give a fuck, but coolness about you where you, what your smile was like, uh, almost like a, like when you made yourself laugh, it wasn't, look, we've all seen myself included the, <laughs> the comic who like, and then you, you laugh to push them over. Your laugh was always genuine. It was like a genuine, like, like, okay, that that's pretty fun, you know? Uh, and, dude. and, uh, but man, yeah. I, I'm like, I, I'm sitting here listening to this going like so much of who you are as a standup influenced who I am as a standup. And by the way, there's so much that I'm watching that I'm going I'm going, God damn it, man. That's that's stuff I know ne- still never learned. Like your ability to go in and out of characters. I I I it I, this special is phenomenal, man. Phenomenal. Uh, I, I really appreciate it, man. And uh it's it is great to to see again for even if it's this way, it's great to see and all the stuff you're doing. I'm like, God damn, man. You know, I always knew I always knew because you you were so definable, you know. <laughs> Bert was definable, there was no doubt. Oh, you know, like, what do we do with this guy? What do we, how do we, you know, that thing, the industry always says, like, hey, we don't know what to do with Bert. You know, you know what to do with Bert. Bert tells you what to do with Bert. And it's, and you, you know, that fucking machine story, bro. <laughs> can I tell you, can I, you know, but you know, for, for people listening, the, my, my style of comedy, what, what I'm doing now, what I'm doing now, I discovered with you in that back, in the that story. Bar. In the zinc bar, the zinc bar, we that's where that storytelling room happened. Initially, you really were like the first dude to do it with me there. You were fresh from Florida. I used to tell people this and everyone's like, no way you and you you said, hey, man, I'm doing this zinc bar. You know, I'd love you to come host co-host it with me. And you're like, I'll host. We'll bring up. It's just stories. I've talked about this so much. You're like, it's just stories. If you can help me throw put some people in there. And I was like, yeah. And I had all these girls from Florida state and I, I hit remember. them up and, <laughs> I and I would be like, I had like 12 of them. I'd be like, Hey, you guys come out. This is going to be fun. And I remember I'm not, I'm not throwing shade on anybody, but I will say, I will say that you, you were very adamant. You're like, it's stories. This is before storytelling was yeah. hip. Like now there's like a, like a niche, like, yo, I'm a storyteller. You yeah. were like, no, this is just stories. And you go, you can't go up and do bits. This isn't an open mic. This is just stories. Dude, Scalaro went up and told a legit story that went sideways at one point because he left out a fact, but he he stood in his boots and told a story. I remember that. Yeah. And I'm not talking shit, but I will say Dave Chappelle rolled in one night and started a story and bailed and started doing bits. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and you were like, that's not what this fucking room's about. I know. I think he got upset with me, man. I think he got upset with me after that. I think it was like, it was starting like a party at, at Magic Johnson's house or something like that. It was some, and it was, I was like, this is going good. This is going yeah. good. But then he, yeah, he, 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 uh, he aborted mission on it, but you know, it was, it, the, that room was great because it was stories and it was jazz afterwards. So it kind of flowed together. It was this little yeah. Moroccan like jazz room. 
And everybody came. Chappelle came through there. Gaffigan told the story. Gaffigan came in and told the story uh, uh-huh. at one time, which I never, you know, I haven't heard like since. And uh, I mean, just random, random dudes would come through and it was, it was, it was great. It was great. And I remember I, I shot a little, you know, indie pilot of it and I started shopping it around. I took it to like Comedy Central and everything. They're like, you know, our audience really doesn't have the attention span for stories. Little, and then <laughs> it's like, cut, oh. to, cut to ten, 15 years later, it's their brand. <laughs> yeah. Ari Shafir's doing storytelling. I hear you, man. I hear you, but that's how it goes. But man, you, you and know, ben really, you and Ben really, because I, I did like three nights with you and then I, and, and then I, and then I and then I stopped. But you and Ben took that. Oh, Bailey, yeah, that. he he really um, Bailey the hammer, uh, just he he really took it and ran with it, you know. Um, and uh, it, I mean, he used to. I used to just have him close the show because yeah. he got to be unfollowable there. You know, he'd have a new he'd have a new a new one every week. I was like, God damn, dude, you got a, you got another one. Uh, he was yeah, he was. Uh, it was great, and and I. We ended up doing like an offshoot of that, like a, a like a little a podcast, a few episodes where we tell stories back and forth. We had Henley on there and a bunch of other guys. And it was it was a lot of fun, man. But that, you know, that's the that's that style I just love. And it's not it's not easy. You know, it's not easy because when you're when you're eating a dick up there, you're in it and you got to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got to. You got to ride it out, man. You got to ride it out. It took me so long to, I mean, I, 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 I know what I'm saying sounds like I could just say it, whatever. I swear on my children's life. That first night we did it, I told the story of fighting this black dude in high school. And then the next night we did it, I told the story of getting fired from Barnes and Noble. And then I want to, and then, and, 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 and and I, I swear to God, I walked back to Boston to do, to go. Cause I think I had to go work the door still. I walked back to Boston to go do my spot. And I was like, wait, that worked so well. Why don't I just do that on stage? And I remember getting there and I was like, Oh, you can't tell stories on stage. Like there's two different things. And I went back to whatever I was jacking off on a cheeseburger, ah, you know, like whatever I was doing that I thought were bits. I thought so, so needed to be bits. My favorite, my favorite, but you were doing that on stage also. Like yeah. You were telling stories on stage, which, which were like, and, and everyone used to say, oh, I'm a storyteller, but you were telling stories on stage where the thing that I love was you could, you, you, your characters could, you could visualize them when you started. Like the, I remember the guy made you take his chick to, to, uh, to prom. Oh, the biscuits. Oh yeah. The biscuits. Oh. <laughs> I, uh, the that, biscuits. That, that chick's voice makes me <laughs> giggle. To this day, I hear it in my head. I remember hearing that and just going, fuck. Uh, two, four, six, eight. I'm going to go get something to eat. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was crazy. Well, Tony Woods, he was the dude that I saw do like uh, long form stuff, you know? And I was like, okay, so this is possible. And then my wife, that was that biscuit story was actually, I had told her, I was telling her about my prom. And she's like, you got to talk about that on stage. And I'm like, well, it's this long, long and there's like, you know, there's fat on it and everything. She's like, you got to talk about it on stage. And after I finally got that thing to work on stage, I'm like, there's just no going back. I can't, you know, I'll, I'll write the jokes and I'll have the jokes. But man, 
this stuff is so satisfying because it's, you know, you get to incorporate everything. It's like a, you know, surf and turf. You do the characters, you get the jokes in there. There's a, a linear narrative, you know, it's, uh, I've still, I really enjoy that machine story, man. Someone just turned me on to that a while ago. I was like, God damn, that's a great story, bro. Uh, I mean, oh, that, that's the Burt calling card right there. That is the Burt calling card. I'm you know? you, I, that means the world to me, DC. There was so much when I walked into Boston and, and I remember going like, I remember literally looking at your set going as a checklist of going, all right, these are the things you need to do. If you're going to be a good comic, you got, you had so many tools in your bag. I remember you could just real quick do an impression. I remember, I remember being like, I need an impression. Like I need like, not even like an impression. You could just go, this is my, this is my impression of an Italian eye doctor. <laughs> what are you looking at? <laughs> what the fuck you looking at? Oh yeah. yeah. And then you just, and then it'd be bam. And next under the next one, under the next one, under the next one. And I was like, fuck. So did you start, did you start with D, with Tony in DC? Yeah. Uh, I started, he had been doing it a little bit, you know, before me. Uh, and he had a room. It was like a night out at this place, the comedy connection out in Maryland. I was going to university of Maryland. I did a little talent show there. And, uh, then I was like, let me go see what this stand up." And I, the first night I saw stand up, Chappelle was doing a contest. He was like 14 at this club named Garvin's, uh, that was kind of the quintessential comedy club with the brick wall and, and, um, he killed, he annihilated on, on, at, on this, um, on this, uh, contest. And I'm like, I want to, I want to do that. And it was kind of like the whole night was encapsulated what standup is. Cause he killed on this contest, but there was a local dude who was a headliner who was supposed to do the tonight show and was kind of established. And that guy won the contest. And, and the, everybody was looking around like, what, you know, that, that kid, that kid ripped it. And I remember seeing Chappelle at the bar afterwards, like, oh man, oh man. <laughs> and that, but then that guy, I think, went to L.A. to tape The Tonight Show and then had some kind of panic attack or something and broke out in hives and couldn't do it and never got to do it. And then I never heard of that guy again. And boom, you know, here <laughs> there's Chappelle. Uh, but Tony was, yeah, Tony was the guy we all kind of looked to here because, you know, he was the weaver of, you know, like the, 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 the best Tony Woods story I can think of is, and you may have been there at the Boston comedy club. There was a, in, in the, in the village, there was a place called the Boston comedy club. Anybody watching this. And it was a rough, that was a rough room. Like that was where you got yeah. your metal tested. You know, it was gladiator school. And, um, Barry Katz, uh, calls me. He's like, Hey man, I'm doing that. I'm doing a UK comedy tour audition, man. Aren't you? And uh, 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 Saturday night and the week before I had been there and there were these two dudes, Italian dudes from Bensonhurst and they had been heckling. And I just, I was slamming these guys slam. And, and the one guy left that night and did this to me, did the like neck thing to me. I'm like, yeah, buddy, I give you this, you know, whatever. So the night of the UK tour, those guys are back uh, to see me and they're in the audience. And I guess they have some shit ready. And uh, Ian Edwards went up and this is when he had his dreads and everything. He went up and those guys started making some noise and he, he dealt with them very gently, but they were, uh, they were very, they were pissed off about the week before. So they laid into him. They called him the N word. They spit at him. 
a huge fight breaks out. All the English guys who are booking the tour just in the back, just terrified. This chick gets hit in the head with a bottle in the front row. She's bleeding. Chairs are getting broken. Matt Frost has his big flashlight. He's hitting people with the flashlight. <laughs> this is fucking crazy. It's pandemonium. Barry takes off like, see your man. And he's he's gone. He goes out through the bag. It just takes off. Leaves the English guys. Cops come. They arrest the two dudes from Bensonhurst. The show resumes. And Tony <laughs> Woods goes up and does a half hour just about what happened. Like, you know, yeah. man, you know, the dude shorty. And I remember seeing this chick with uh uh, with this, you know, she, she got hit in the head with a bottle, just bleeding, laughing in the front row, just her head split open, bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I think, was Tony Woods' real gift is just being able to take a situation and and uh, and do time on it, you know, do yeah. time on it and, and stretch it out. He did like a half hour on what had just happened and people were dying. It was great, man. I he, thought maybe you were there that night. I no, don't know. no, I was not there that night. I was yeah. I was I was. Frosty was not at the club as much when I when I was there, and Barry was never at the club. He was in L.A. driving a Ferrari, I think. <laughs> Man, the, uh, Tony Woods is someone that I feel like you know the way that people are into comedy these days, and and the, as popular as these podcasts have gotten, it's like people forget Tony Woods was Tony Woods was like Chappelle's mentor, like yeah. he was. If it wasn't for Tony Woods, there literally probably would be no Chappelle. Yeah, and, I agree. And and probably no me. I I listened to that guy so intensely when I like if he said stop doing something. I remember telling a story about about uh, there was a girl there was a girl that worked at the Boston, and and uh, she she got me to go back. I, I'm not going to say her name, but I I, I wanted to say her name so badly. I wanted. <laughs> Hey, 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 know you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, and she had gotten me to jerk off in front of her in, in my apartment. And I and I was and Tony just comes up to me. I'm telling the story on stage and Tony just comes up to me and goes, uh, Shorty, I'd never tell that story ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, really? That was that was the funniest. Oh man, that was. But he was so. I, I've spent so many nights just literally hanging on his every word at the Boston, uh, yeah, at the yeah. Baggett underneath, and just anything he'd say about comedy, I'd be like, I mean, it was it was amazing. I remember, I remember when when my. I mean, the the probably one of the biggest stories of that time for me was uh you know and, and I've told this I've told this a bunch and Tracy Morgan says it's not true and it's totally fine. I I, I completely uh -huh. I completely side with him. If he wants to say it's not true then I'll say whatever he wants. But I had this great Tracy Morgan story of him taking me out around the corner to smoke a joint and telling me it was PCP and me freaking out and I it I'm for tone for for Tracy's sake, I whatever I, I it, it was not PCP. I, I I'm a big fan of Tracy Morgan's, but now then that we wasn't the one Jay Moore did. Is as, as yeah, yeah, oh, that yeah, is the one Jay yeah, Moore yeah, did. Is yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> such a great fucking story. But, but yeah. Tony Woods was there that night, so the so <laughs> Tony was there. I mean, I hate to fucking you know, but Tony was there. So it's like he keeps saying that you know, 
like uh, across the board, he was like, when he heard Jay saying, and he was like, you know, Jay took our story. Cause that's yeah. to- when Tony tells it, it is one hundred times better. It is so much better because all this innocence I have is out the window. And he's like, Tony, I think your shirt might've been off too. I'm just telling you. And so, but I remember, I remember the end of the night, the very end, you know, tra- you know, the story, Tracy Morgan, uh, snaps his shirt and he goes, now that's how you get out of paying the check. Hey, I'm going uptown, Tony. You going? And Tony looks at me and he goes, you want to let you want to come along for the ride? And I was like, I'm going home now. <laughs> and Tony just went off into the night with Tracy Morgan. <laughs> I'll see you later, shorty. <laughs> he came up. He came up in DC. I was in, I was at the DC improv and I, and I'm getting, I'm doing my set and Tony's in the back and he just goes, Hey, Shorty, tell that Tracy Morgan story. And I was like, is that Tony Woods? And he goes, yeah. I said, Tony, why don't you come up and tell it with me? And he goes, all right. So he comes up and we tell together, right? I'm in my head. I'm like, oh, my God. My wife is here. My wife is here. She's got my camera. She better be filming this. She better be filming this. We do 20 minutes on this story together. He tells it like dueling banjos. And he and I'm telling what what our what I realized in my story are just facts. Like yeah, my story yeah. is just facts of this is how the evening went. Tony is blowing it up with comedy. Like he is taught. He's, he's turned it into this Batman and Robin. Uh, <laughs> like it, It's so fucking funny the way he's taking it off and like, you know, almost grabbing the baton and swimming away from the boat so far away that no one can see him, that the story shifts. And then he comes back and he's like, and then what happened? And it, it is so amazing. I get off stage. Oh, wow. I get do, off you stage. Have that, do you have that uh, posted anywhere? Is that any, is that seeable? I get off stage and my wife, I go, did you tape that? And she goes, oh, I should have, right? That was great. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I go, my camera's right there. You have a phone in your hand. And she was like, oh, no. she was like, honey, I was so mesmerized. I just couldn't think in the time. I'm so sorry. Uh-huh. Dude, and but you know Tony, he does not care. He, yeah. he has no like. I'm in my head going, "That's content. That's content." And yeah. Tony just was like, "See, hey man, we go into this strip club with these lesbians. You want to go?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the beginning of every Tony Wood story. We go oh. to strip club with the lesbians. Oh my god, man! This podcast is brought to you by Hims. I had a great conversation last night with Christina Pajinski and Tom Segura, and Christina Pajinski said to me. Tom's wife, Push, said, you still have all your hair. I got to be honest with you. And by the way, you know, Tom busts my balls about this. She goes, whatever you've done has worked. You're st- you still have hair. Yeah. You know why? Because I got in front of this problem. And Hims is a company that is dedicated to just general men's wellness. And one of the biggest things about this is hair loss. 66% of, start- of men start losing their hair by their 35. And if you're noticing something, it may be too late. But if, if you get in front of that, that train, then you can do something about it. And I remember myself included, I went to weird solutions to try to, to try to fix it. When you can just go to medicine and science, literally for hims.com is one-stop shopping for hair loss, skincare, sexual wellness for men. It is time to write the chapter in your life. You write it. Don't let the, don't let it be written for you. This aren't snake oil pills or gas station supplements. These are prescriptions backed by science. Like myself, I've been using these since I was 22 years old. No more. I had to go to a doctor. You don't have to do that. Hims for hims connects you with licensed medical professionals online, which will save you hours, completely confidential and discreet. All you got to do is answer a few questions. They're going to review it. A professional medical will review it. And if they determine it's right for you, medication 
is prescribed to you to treat hair loss and shipped directly and discreetly to your door. Today, Hims is giving you their best offer yet. If you're not happy with the results in 90 days, Hims will give you a full refund. And right now, my listeners can get their first visit absolutely free. Go to forhims.com slash Burtcast. That's forhims.com slash Burtcast. Full refund price paid available for the first 90 days supplies. Refund request must be made between 90 and 180 days after product shipment. Delivered prescription products require an online consultation with a medical professional will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember, that's forhims.com slash podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Policy Genius. I love Policy Genius, and I'll tell you why. It connects with the time in my life was I, where I was presented with a overwhelmingly daunting task. Uh, life insurance. Life insurance for me, my dad was at, I was at Coffee Bean in the Grove. My dad called, and he goes, we just had Georgia. And he's like, buddy, you need life insurance. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what was involved. All I knew is I didn't want to deal with it, and I didn't know how to do it. Well, Policy Genius takes all of that out of your hands and they help you do like it's shopping for life insurance literally has never been easier with policy genius than with policy genius they combine a cutting edge insurance marketplace with the help from licensed experts to save you time and money here's how it works okay first head to policygenius.com in minutes you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes for the top insurers to find your best price policy genius will then compare policies starting as little as one dollar a day you might even be eligible to skip the in-person medical exam, which I did not know was a part of it. Once you apply, Policy Genius team is going to handle all the paperwork and red tape. And the best part is they work for you, not the insurance companies. So if you hit any speed bumps along the process, they're going to take care of everything. But that kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across over 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. So if you need life insurance, Head to policygenius.com right now to get started. You can save 50% off or more by comparing quotes. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. So when you started, who was who was your DC scene? Because that's another thing. I didn't even realize that DC wasn't even your name. That was the nickname they gave to you at the Black Clubs. Yeah, yeah. Because nobody could say Ben Wartofsky. You know, the, actually, it was Uncle Jimmy Mack the, who died in the Tracy Morgan accident, and he gave everybody their names. He gave Brooklyn Mike his name. He's from Brooklyn. He's Mike. He's you get made by this guy. So if you were actually funny, you would get made by this guy. So I'm like, you know, Ben Wartovsky. He's like, man, I can't, I, I can't say that. Well, what? And then so he's like, you're from DC. You're DC Benny, and that became you know my name. Everybody thought I was going to come up there and rap with their turntables or some shit. Yeah. And uh, but when I was coming up, all right, there was Tony. There was a guy named Chris uh, Thomas who just did impressions. He did like killer impressions. Uh, um, there was a guy named Bob Somerville who did political stuff, really smart political stuff. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other. The other dudes that, uh, uh, well, there, there was, you know, Tommy Davidson, Martin Lawrence uh, were also out of here. Um, and they, as right around when I was starting, I think they left for L.A. I think they were gone. And, and so I'm, I mostly really saw, you know, I mostly saw Tony. I don't want to bring it all back to him, but I mostly yeah. saw him him doing it. And, you know, there'd be like these little D.C. had a good, robust scene, a really good comedy scene. And then, you know, and then it was Chappelle. And then um, uh, Patton Oswalt, Patton yeah. Oswalt and Blaine Kapach, uh, were they, they were like the Baltimore guys. I'd see them in Baltimore a lot. 
And uh, it was a robust scene. And then it kind of, I, I left to New York about, I guess about four years in. So I was, it was like, I got like 91, something like that, you know, maybe about four or five years in. And then I heard it kind of, it just kind of died for a long time. And now there's like a little, I'm here now at my dad's house. Um, and there's little, you know, little mics and stuff and shows everywhere. All these little indie shows that all these dudes pop. I don't know any of these dudes now. All yeah. these young dudes, man. It's, I don't know any. It's crazy. You know, it's, it's like, I think there's got to be more comedians now than ever in any time in history, right? Oh, I, 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 I think I'm, I don't know. I, you know, I was I, randomly, I was hanging with Jay Leno last night. He came, me and Segura wow. did a show at, <laughs> do, let me tell you something. Wow. Me, me and Segura did a show at, uh, at the Rose Bowl, uh, you know, in uh, the, in the parking lot. It's like a drive-in show. And, and Leno, and I had done something for Leno earlier in the day for his garage. And I jokingly, I was like, hey, you want to come to a, so a set? And he was like, yeah, I'll come to a set. And, and so he just shows up. Segura's like fucking floored. And he's like, so uh, where do I go in the lineup? And you're like, oh, I forgot. You're just a comic. And then he, and then he, he goes, you know, I got to apologize. He goes, I, I missed all you guys. I missed everything about you guys. Like I was, when I was doing the Tonight Show, every, I, I just, he goes, I worked so hard. I just missed comedy. And he's like, there's so many comics right now. And I'm like, Jay, you have no fucking idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Did, uh, uh, that's so funny. What, where am I going <laughs> in the lineup? Yeah. And we're like, uh, we're like, can you, can you open the show? It would be really, and, and he walks out and everyone's like, holy fuck, it's Jay Leno. Like, what the fuck is Jay Leno doing out here? And he's, and you know what, DC, he just ran jokes. He hasn't been able to run because he hasn't been on stage since the virus started. He just started running all coronavirus jokes. Like he was like, he had a bunch of coronavirus jokes, like bam, 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 bam. And then just goes 10 minutes and he goes, all right, let's start the show. I'm going to bring up your, your host of the night and then got up. Literally, like he was had, had another mic to hit. He was like, "Take care, guys. Good seeing you." And just bailed. <laughs> Hopped in a cab. Oh, yeah. that's great, man. That is yeah, great. It, it was uh, it was a, a real treat. But um, but that's yeah, there's crazy. there's so many comics. I mean, I felt like. Correct me if I'm wrong, but when when I, I started in '97, '98, I didn't know that the, I didn't know that there was the road. Like I, I when yeah. I started, I thought you could just you just did it in New York. That's how it worked. Well, that's for me, I had structured my career like that where, you know, maybe I catch a college or something like that because you're out for a night. You do a show, you come back, you make the money for the road in, in a night for a yeah. week on the road. Uh, but I didn't I never really did the road because I was staying in the city trying to do TV and film stuff and trying to, you know, commercials or whatever and trying to go that route. And I didn't want to miss any of that. Um, and I, I trying to st structure a career that way. But so the road for me came much later. You know, that was when, you know, the TV stuff kind of dried up a little bit. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't need old Puerto Rican dads. <laughs> uh, there wasn't a demand for that, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, but I had so I had to get into these clubs, you know, like. 20 years into the business, I'm, I'm like knocking on the door, like, Hey, can I book a weekend? And they're like, well, you've never been here. We've never seen you before. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got a special, I got this, I got that. And it was, it, it was, it was weird, man. It was a weird uh, way to, to go about. It was like ass backwards, you know? Um, yeah. But that was the way, like the way it was. I, I remember getting on the road 
and being like, uh, and I remember me and Gary Goldman used to sit there and say, how does the, how does someone get on the road? I remember us sitting at a coffee being going like, if I called a club for you and pretended to be your manager, and by the way, we had managers. It was Barry Katz. Yes. It was Barry Katz. It was <laughs> Barry Katz. Who was like, I remember I, I, I Barry, you know, I, I, I'm ever hesitant to like the way I talk about Barry. Cause he listens to this and I love Barry. I have no ill will towards Barry, but there's a very, there's a fine line between talking shit about Barry and being honest about Barry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey man are you listening <laughs> i remember you know i got it i got it i was doing stand-up for six months handing out flyers barking by the way yeah. do you remember i was trying to tell someone about this do you and no one could remember it so when i started barking there was also a guy who barked with louis schaefer like i i, I want to say his name was mark or something he was a Jewish guy, had like a good smile, and he had a bit where he'd hit himself on the head with the mic and red dots would show up all over his forehead throughout a set. It was as early into a set. He was, I, I can't remember his name. I remember that bit, but I don't remember the dude. I, I don't I, remember was, the dude, man. I, was, uh, I, I started definitely remember Louis Schaefer. But <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of who that guy was. Huh. You know, there, so our, yeah. So you were barking, you were barking. Yeah. Did you, weren't you pre Schaefer? No, you, no, no. I was uh, Louis Schaefer, Louis Schaefer, uh, Louis Schaefer. T- I remember the first time I worked, <laughs> the, by the way, these are just stories that I feel like we'll enjoy, but like, I remember the first night I get the job, November uh, 4th is the day I got the job at the Boston comedy club. Wow. Probably 1998. I'm guessing. And, uh, and he says, get down to the club early. Okay. Uh, what was the German chick's name? Yana. 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 Yeah. Yana's going to be there. Yana's going to open up. Patrick will let you in. Set the chairs up and and get some music going. And I'll, and I'll be there at like, I want to say seven. So you set everything up. I'll be there. And then we'll, we'll start bringing in people. And I was like, I'm going to fucking blow his mind. I'm going to show him that I can really do this. And by the way, I had, I had, there was no street sense in me at all. Like I was from Florida. And so <laughs> I set up the chairs and I start barking the fuck out of that room and I fill it with like 40 people. Right. Uh, and now, and, and by the way, I, my, I grabbed my CDs. I brought all my CDs with me <clears throat> and I thought, you know, it'd be great. Start off, start off this night. I'm going to put Richard Pryor in, let them listen to some <laughs> comedy, get ready for this. Right. So I'm sitting people, everyone's having a good time. Yana's like loading them up with drinks. Lewis shows up and I go, I think you're going to love it up there. And he goes up and he goes up in the room and he goes, it's packed. And I said, yeah. And he goes, are you playing Richard Pryor for them? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I can't follow Richard Pryor. Hilarious. Richard Pryor goes up and eats a dick on stage. And was like, this is horrible. Uh, handsome man. <laughs> handsome man. <laughs> Chocolatey black man. Uh, Chocolatey oh, black. Shoot, man. Not That's gay. Crazy. I love this, this, this. You like this blazer? Armani-ish. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh that is crazy, dude. That is crazy. The, the, the Richard Pryor thing. I didn't, I never knew that. Uh, yeah. I, well, at least he was being honest. <laughs> that that was that, that my first night at that club. I learned so much. I remember, uh, I remember Patrice O'Neill and Rich Patrice O'Neill, Rich Voss, Jim Norton and Bobby Kelly are out on the street. And Patrice was catcalling women. And he was like, 
And I'd never seen that before. Like just, we don't, you know, there's no foot traffic in Florida. So you never cat called anybody. And I said, and I said, I was laughing and he goes, what? And I said, that's never going to work. And he goes, it works. I didn't, by the way, I, I did not know Patrice. Uh-huh. And I was like, and he was like, you think you got, you got something better. And by the way, now I'm so comfortable talking to people on the street that I had to talk to him anyway. So a girl walked by and I was like, I was like, Hey, you look like you had a rough day at work. Why don't I buy you a glass of wine? And she, and they laughed and she goes, no, and walked by and they laughed and they're like, yeah, you think that's going to work? And they started making fun of me so hard that the girl stopped and came back and said, you know what? Fuck them. I'll take you up on that glass of wine. And they're all like this. And, and DC, I was like, I had just gotten the job barking and this was my dream. And I said, I can't, she goes, excuse me. I said, I go, I can't do that. I'm, I, I just got this job and this is my dream. And she was like, wait, you can't take me for a glass of wine. And I was like, I have to work. I'm sorry. And they're like, you fucking idiot. She was hot too. They're like, you should have taken her up on that. You should have. I, and I, it's like the sad end of an indie film or something, man. God damn. Oh my God. Oh, you never, you never got caught up. That was the cool thing about you is like you, Pete Corielli, Ben, Ben Bailey. Um, I remember Tom Rhodes, you guys never got caught up in the, in the, like, Sometimes I think people get not, I don't, I don't mean this bad, but like people, let me rephrase it this way. People like Sebastian Maniscalco show up, do their work. They hang out a little bit and they'll, they'll chop it up a little bit before they're set, but they're not sitting there going like, I'm going to be here until four in the morning with you guys at the table, eating fries. You were a guy that went in, you'd go down to the bag and have a couple of beers, but you weren't going around following a scene. You were did, you were so independently you No, And you know, that probably did not help my career. I feel like a lot of dudes that hung out, you know, it's like a networking thing or whatever, and you make your allegiances. But um, now, man, I just, I didn't want to, you know what? I managed nightclubs for years before I ever did comedy. So it just kind of, I had a lot of history with just being in nightclubs and that, you know, when you turn the lights on, it's just a box and it smells like beer. And, you know, I, 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 um, and I was, I got married pretty early. So I'll go home and chill with my wife. You know, I really, that was my thing, you know, and I, I had some legendary hangouts with like Bailey and Corielli and all that. And a couple, a couple guys, but it was kind of irregular. I mean, I, I really just, plus when you start off doing comedy, you have to hang out in clubs and wait and wait. And, and I I felt like to me, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want, I've made my bones. I've done that part. So uh, I was, and you know, I kept it a little neutral. I, I tried to get along with just about everybody. Yeah. And, uh, and hung out, but it did, it wasn't my job. You know, it wasn't like some dudes went to that. That was their gig, man. It's like, they, they, they hung out afterwards and, and uh, that was, that was it. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I guess that. W- yeah, anyway, a long way. Long story short, that was a pretty accurate assessment. I kind of got in and got out, and I still yeah. do it like that, you know. Well, I think I think it's so interesting now because people idolize so much of the hang, and so and so many people weren't there that that go like, man, to get oh, to yeah. know Patrice, how great was that? And you're like, it was not that great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get shit on re- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> repeatedly. I, you know, I had a I had a falling out with Patrice. I mean, a real we were pretty tight we're pretty tight and then 
I feel like he was on this kind of anti-marriage rant. Um, <clears throat> we, we had, I remember last time, time we hung out and I was giving him a ride back to Jersey or something like that. And then we just chilled in my car for like three hours and talked and had a great time. And at the end of the night, he goes, you know, the reason you're, you're not more successful, man, is because you give a fuck. You got to stop giving a fuck. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. And he's like, I'm telling you, you got to stop giving a fuck. And then after that, we got into a huge blowout because uh, he said something about my wife or something and that we had to, it was getting physical. I really didn't want to offend people. And, you know, I wanted yeah. my stuff to come from a place where it wasn't offensive, you know, where now it could potentially be thought of that way when you're doing these characters and stuff. And I'm like, uh, you know, maybe he had a point. Maybe he just got to stop giving a fuck, you know? <laughs> That's an interesting insight because... I really give a fuck. Like I genuinely give a fuck. I, 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 it bothers me if someone comes to a show and they leave and, and they're like that, that was really that, that I remember one time I had, I remember you telling me this one time. I remember you, I, that when I first started telling the, the, the fight of black guy, at the fight of black guy story, I brought it to the stage. I remember you and your wife were in the back corner and for everyone should know your wife's uh, African-American. Yeah. And, or I say African-American. I don't know where she's from, but she's black. <laughs> she's black. Yeah. My wife yeah. is black. And you guys were in the back. And I remember there was a part of that joke. And this is when there's no PC police in, in Boston yeah. Comedy Club. There's a part of the joke that I ended up telling in a pitch all through Hollywood for the record. Um, but the joke was the black guy is beating my ass. And he says, he stops and he goes, Call, say the N-word. Say, but, but, but I wasn't, I'm not saying the N-word on stage. I was saying the N-word. I was uh -huh. saying, he's like, call me the N-word. Call me one. And I, and the part of the joke, and I thought it was really funny was I was like, uh, don't worry. I will like, not now, <laughs> but I will like, I'm not going to say it now. There's a lot around. Take a look. And, and you think, I think it's going to make you even matter. Like, I don't know if you've heard it, but if I say it, you're going to get really upset. And so that was the joke. And you, I got off stage and you're like, it's a really great joke. And I, and he, and you're like, and I, but I don't think you need to say the N word. I think you can just do the joke. I don't think you need to do that. I think you're taking it too far. And I think, and I remember thinking like, I'm breaking boundaries. I'm, I'm being edgy. And then looking around it, I remember the look on your wife's face was like, was like, definitely didn't need to hear that word tonight. Like, <laughs> and, and oh, she heard so much corner. words. <laughs> your wife was just like, I was having a really great night. And I remember <laughs> that, that impressed so much on me that I was like, I was like, Oh, did I just ruin people's night? Uh, nah, dude. No, nah, no. Nah. You know, I, it was, it was like, uh, for me, it was just a tweak at that time that I thought, you know, cause I was looking at half the crowd and I was looking at the other half of the crowd yeah. and half the crowd did this shit, you know, once they heard it. And I'm like, if you're, you were kind of new at it, and I thought if you're new, get a little momentum, then you can, you can work that later, but you know, get that momentum first. If you're shutting the door on half of them now, yeah. you and I'm know, a kid from Florida, who's blind. I'm in fucking the village dropping N bombs going, am I right guys? Am I right? Everyone had this experience, huh guys? But I remember you dude. And, and, and I think I posted this on one of your, one of your posts or something, but you dude, it was, January and you had shorts and flip flops and the toe ring, man. That to me, I was like, this dude's gonna make it. Nothing's gonna stop this guy. He's got a, he's got the flip flops and the toe ring in, in New York, January, walking around barking, man. But if, if I could have just stayed there a little longer, I got I got so 
I, I, I learned so many bad habits in LA. Uh-huh. Like so many, so much conforming happened in LA where it would never have happened in, and, 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 and it took so long to break that. And I, I remember, I remember just even coming back and from LA and trying to, and I was doing the, the thing with, um, Louis Schaefer, Ben Bailey and Rich Voss and Patrice. We went to, to, uh, Scotland. Remember when Lewis married that Scottish chick? Oh yeah. The manager, the chick that managed him. Yeah. That helped a little bit. <laughs> they had a kid. Yes. That was my, uh, that was my uh, roast joke for, uh, Lewis Schaefer's roast was the kid's name was Columbus. And I said, Columbus's first discovery was that his dad was gay. <laughs> he, the kid grew up. He's all handsome now. I see him on Facebook. He's like a, he's like a supermodel, man. Yeah. It's well, Louis Shaver was a good looking man. He was yeah. a good looking man. It's a man. Handsome a man. <laughs> but, uh, but I, but I went out to LA and I came back with so many bad habits. Cause the one thing I, and I'm curious what your experience was when you went out to LA, because you were distinctly, in my opinion, a New York city comic like you, I mean, Corielli, Bobby Kelly, no, like there was like a, you guys were what I defined as murder, any room in, a, in New York, black, white, Puerto Rican. Like if it was, if it was uh talent's room on Sunday night, like you could destroy anywhere and what did you think when you first started coming out to LA and doing sets how what was your impression of LA I just you know for me Los Angeles I always had a rough time out there you know it was always got to be like my impression was when you went up in front of a crowd it felt kind of like they felt easy it felt like the they felt easy and sensitive it felt like you know the the majority of the comics and that was back then i don't know how it is now i mean i haven't i haven't done stand up there in a in a minute but it just felt like there were a lot of guys who had like a, a tight 5 minutes you know or a tight 10 minutes or maybe 15 but there wasn't like you'd see the same kind of there was a style you'd see the same kind of style there wasn't a lot of like um variety and and just you know it was kind of nuts and boltsy um, that was my sort of take back then. And, and I would go there and I'd be like, it was almost like when I would do the clubs, it was like the, the audience hadn't seen that before that kind of comedy before. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying that, that kind of comedy where you're doing seven, eight sets a night and bouncing from here. And you're just, you know, you're razor sharp. It, it felt like they hadn't seen that before. Um, and it felt kind of like a hot knife through butter. Um, and you know, conversely now, I mean, over the last year, I was talking to Bill about this. I saw him at the West side comedy club. The New York audiences have gotten so goddamn sensitive. The New York audiences have gotten sensitive that it's, it's almost like you can say more, push more boundaries or, or, you know, have a kind of more authentic voice outside of New York City. It's, it's I, I don't know. Maybe it's like that in Los Angeles now. Maybe you can get up there and because it's evolved so much comedically, maybe there's it, it's it's a different it's a different. I don't know. I mean, what is it like there now doing I mean, or before the pandemic you yeah, know, yeah. doing comedy? I mean, oh, it's I mean, it's I, I think L.A. was like it was almost like a cornucopia at, at, at when 
right before the pandemic, it, I remember sitting in that hallway and being like, it, so how, how does this end? I mean, what, like, I remember thinking like, and it, it's it, it, very simple. Joe moves to Austin and Tom moves to everyone moves. Joey Diaz moves to Jersey. Like everyone just left, but, but it was, it was so insanely freeing, but also, you know, I, I, I would say you could take chances, but you could say anything on stage, but the lineups were so fucking thick that yeah, you were like, yeah. that you were, I mean, there was, there was lineups where it was like David Spade, Norm MacDonald, Bill Burr, Joe Rogan, Jim Jeffries, Doug Stanhope, like just like the fucking biggest hitters of comedy in the world <laughs> going up. And, and when you got a spot, you're like, Jesus Christ, man, I can't take any chances. I got to do shit that works. Yeah, I hear that. But, but it was, and, and you can take big swings at the store now, but I remember going to LA and my analogy I drew when I was young was, I feel like, I feel like I'm in, a, I'm in a place and I'm prison strong. Like I've been working out in the yard yeah. with room strick and cinder blocks just so that I can defend myself in the shower. Right. <laughs> And now I come here and they're, and I'm in, and I, and, and they want to work on my abs. And I went, Oh, this, cause you're right. There was a definite style in, in LA at that time where like whatever worked is what almost everyone did a version. That's of what that. it seemed like. That's what it seemed like. This is a while back. And by know, the way, we should give a little, we right now, Dane cooks, li listen to this going. Yeah, it was my style. They took my <laughs> fucking style. I worked my ass off and everyone did a version of me, including me. I went back to, I like, I went back to New York with a little bit of, you know, Dane in me. Yeah. He saw that and he was like, I guess you've been in LA over the laugh factory. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious, man. Yeah, that's what it was. It was it was like, a, yeah, everybody saw the, the one dude. And yeah, there was a lot of like all of a sudden everybody's physical doing dinosaurs and stuff. And, uh, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, it was something else, man. So but now different different ball game. Like I've seen those lineups and and, you know, the, the heavy hitters that are that are working there, you know, so oh, it's it's uh, yeah, it's I'm curious to see what happens post pandemic. I mean. It's, I, you know, I don't even know where this fucking business goes. It's crazy. I really honestly don't. It's really crazy. I mean, you're fortunate. You, you're, I guess you're touring, you know, somehow, uh, you know, and that's, you know, it's really, it, it's cool. Cause you let the dust settle, you, you know, you dust off the, uh, the, you know, the ring rust and, uh, and go out there and bang it out. You know, I'm, I've been. I've just, I post stuff little, I've been just doing stories and posting them on YouTube and I haven't been on stage, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to doing it again, but man, it's, uh, you think you'll stay in DC? No, nah, I'm, I'm, we moved out to, to Long Island, uh, just was right before the pandemic. So we were living in Brooklyn, gotta been, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years, whatever. We moved out, we bought a little house and a little vacation, uh, spot. Uh, a beach cottage that I, I renovated during the, it had nothing to do with the pandemic. It was just going to be, we just moved out there. So it's surrounded by vineyards and, and beach and everything. And I just, I like that vibe. I'm, I'm kind of burnt out, you know, of the city. So we put, I got this little spot and we little bungalow and we rent it and everything. And then I come down to DC and see my dad, he's alone. And we party together a little bit. We hit it hard <laughs> yesterday, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's still asleep upstairs. Um, 
And uh, yeah, and so I think I'm going to bounce back and forth from the, when it starts again in the city. I'll bounce back and forth a little bit. It's a it's a long commute, but uh, I just enjoy the quality of life. You know, being near beaches and surrounded oh, by vineyards God. and having fresh seafood and you know a little room. You know, I was getting into so much stuff in Brooklyn, man. I mean, it's like I got in this fucking parking vendetta with this. You know, I was in this old school Italian neighborhood with this guy, and it would turn it, it just escalated. It was crazy. And um, th- there was just a lot of, I'm like, I got to get out of this, man. I can't, you know, from 53, I can't be fucking around with these dudes, man. You know, I got to think about <laughs> it. I got, I want to be, a, I want that chill Zen life, man. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Miller High Life. Miller High Life brings pride to the simple things in life. Miller High Life is an unpretentious quality beer with refreshing champagne like tiny bubbles in an iconic glass bottle accessible to everyone. Whether it's big or small in life, there's moments that are worth celebrating every day. For me, over the summer, it was the end of the day after this tour on the Hot Summer Nights tour and playing pickleball. There was nothing better than playing pickleball and opening a beautiful Miller High Life to celebrate a great night of work and hanging out with my friends. Listen, a quality, this is a quality beer that's within everyone's reach created to bring pride in the simple things in life in that iconic brand that you can be proud to hold Miller high life's been faithfully brewed the same way since its start on the, on new year's Eve, 1903, their founders believed that everyone should enjoy the good life, which is why they created the champagne of beers. I remember the first time I heard the champagne of beers, I was like, that's the exactly what I'm looking for. That is, that is taking it to the next level, which is why Miller high life has been famously known for over a hundred years. Miller high life, the champagne of beers, a quality beer within everyone's reach. Please celebrate responsibly. Miller brewing company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This podcast is brought to you by Harry's. I feel like Harry's knows the story of me and my dad's relationship when it comes to shaving. When I first started shaving, I did not know how expensive blades were. I had no clue. I wasn't buying them. My dad was, and he would have them. And I just go in, stick my razor and I'd use a new razor blade every time I shave. It wasn't until my dad was going, watching me tear through razor blades. He's like, buddy, do you have any idea how expensive those are? And I was like, no, I'm not buying them. And he's like, okay, you use a blade for about six months with your beard. Okay. You don't need to switch out blades. Well, Harry was founded by two friends, Jeff and Andy, who were felt exactly like my dad and were tired for overpaying for razors. They thought most big brands were overdesigned, overpriced, and quite honestly, out of touch. They founded Aries as a return to the essential quality blade with an honest price at literally as low as $2 a refill. They wanted to sell products that they could be proud of. So they raised a bunch of money to buy a razor factory in Germany. And they've been honing precision blades for over a hundred years. They sourced their steel from Sweden, which we all know everything's better in Sweden right? And they own the entire manufacturing process from research and design to the factory floor. This allows them to keep the prices low and they are delivering their sharpest shave ever. And they aren't raising prices. These blades are so sharp that guys shaving four times a week reported that with Harry's new blades, their eighth shave was as smooth as their first shave. And they can confidently stand by these blades with a hundred percent money back guarantee at harrys.com. Harry's is now available wherever you shop. I see them everywhere. They have a great offer for my listeners right now. New, new U.S. customers can redeem a Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash Burt for just $3. You'll get a five-blade razor featuring their new sharper blades, a weighted ergonomic handle, 
foaming shave gel with aloe and a travel cover to protect your blade when you're on the go just go to harrys.com slash bert and redeem your trial offer today so you know and where you're are you in la or if you moved out to uh, some no, other we're in la we're uh you know it, when everyone started bailing i i i my wife was like <clears throat> i was like you know what you could i was just talking to Segur about this last night I was like, the quality of life in, in, in Texas is leaps and bounds better than what I can offer my children here in LA. It's a very fucked up life and not horrible, but it just is not, there's, there's certain parameters where it's like, you know, Hey, there's a homeless guy that's passed out on front yard. Oh shit. Okay. Let's call the cops. I think he's overdosed. All right. And like, that's something my daughter's witness. And you're like, ah, fuck. Yeah. And, and, and I guess you get numb to it. You know, my daughter got daughter got into a car accident the other day oh, and man. the guy and you know, you know, it's like when I was a kid, 16 years old, you get in a car accident, you, you call your dad, you know, it's, it wasn't a big, it was a big deal, but it wasn't like scary. And the guy, I guess the guy, you know, got in her face and I wasn't there. And if it wasn't for this, as my daughter describes him, old, skinny, old, skinny Jamaican guy that came out and like yelled at the guy. And she was like, dad, I love that he had my back, but he didn't have a mask on. And I was like, I was like, I appreciate you backing me up, but can you do it from six feet apart? <laughs> but like, and so like this guy bumped into her and he got fucking crazy and started yelling at her. And, and so, uh, so it's like, uh, yeah, well, I, I, as a matter of fact, you see, we are going after this to look at small cabins in uh, at Lake Arrowhead to try to do exactly what you're talking about where we go, hey, let's just go up there for a month and stay in a cabin and and have some quality of a different experience, you know? Yeah, well, that's, you know, what had happened for us is we were, we're living in Brooklyn, and then we had this, we got this place out in, in the North Fork of Long Island, and we would go there every week. After I do my set Sunday morning, I couldn't wait to get out there. I'd say Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I'd come back, do sets again, do shows or whatever, and it was every week. And then I'm like, man, I love it so much out there. Why am I? Comedy is the only reason I'm in, you know, I'm in Brooklyn. There's got to be a way to, to do this commute or something. It's just, it's got to, because I love it so much out there. And it's just, I feel better, man. I feel like, um, you know, physically better and mentally better. And uh, it's, it's been great, man. I mean, aside from all this shit that's been going on, I mean, I, I'm really happy with this, with the new situation you know, being out there. And, and I put on a, I had been putting on little shows out there where it'd be like dinner. My, my neighbor's a five-star chef, you know, that nobody knows he is. And yeah. uh, he's got this little restaurant spot and we, we do like small dinner, 30 people and a comedy show. And I bring some comics from the city and everybody loved it, man. And uh, so I'm hoping I can start that again. That was a lot of fun, man. It's like, you know, I like doing those little shows, little <laughs> Zig Farris style shows, man. But I'm so jealous because you see, like, you, I see, like, you, Pete, uh, Ben, Bobby Kelly, like, all you guys seem to have, like, dis disappeared from the city and found these great lives. And, and, and I'm just like, oh, like, it seems, it seems like such a cool, like, I think Joey Diaz lives next to Florentine and he was like, dog, the lifestyle, he is a million times fucking better. Like it, <laughs> and I, I just look at it and I'm like, I think Pete was renovating a fucking cabin or something or renovating a farmhouse. 
I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah. Corielli. Yeah. He's been out there. He was, he's been out for a while, I think. And he was hardcore New York roll joints, yes. walk the dog at two in the morning. Like, oh, yeah. I thought that was never going to happen. When I heard that, I was like, what? You know, I thought that was never going to happen. But I'll, I'll tell you, man, it's just, you know, I feel like I'm making room for the, for the, you know, the new people to scrap in there and do whatever. And, um, uh, I just, you know, I can't, I don't want to climb that mountain every day, you know, every day getting on the train doing, you know, the, the city for me, it, it, I love it. I love it, but it, uh, it puts a mileage on me. So now, you know, now I have a, kind of a healthy distance and I can hop in and do my, do my thing. You know, I didn't go to really museums anymore. I'm not seeing Broadway shows. Like, yeah. fuck am I doing? You know, <laughs> what am I fucking doing? You know, I'm, I'm not missing, getting discounts you know? at the bodega. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, got my weed you know spot out there. So it's, it's all good. You know, I'd be cur- I'm curious to see where your standup goes because your standup is so indicative of your experience. Like everything. It feels like when, when I, when I, especially when I watch a special, which I can't stop saying is so fantastic, I it, bro. but it, there's so much, it is, it, it is you taking the, the parts of New York that rubbed off on you throughout the day and just sharing them. Like if you, if you could bump into people's DNA, it's like, Oh, this was this experience. This is this. It was so, it's so like you, it, you, and to the back to even when I was younger, I'd watch you and I'd be like, he's just he's like it's almost like you walked by something and you just grabbed it and you're like i'm taking that on stage with me if it's the one dollar guy or the jamaican nanny it was like you'd grab stuff off the street and then take it on stage and i'm dying to see what you do with your stand-up now that you're living like i'm dying to hear stories about your dad i'm dying to hear stories about renovate i've been following you on instagram on these renovations and i'm like <laughs> there's a there's a there is a there is a uh 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 gqness to you like your whole career i'm from your picture of you smoking a cigarette i remember when you walked in i remember the first time i ever heard of you i was like who the fuck is that he's gorgeous and they're like he's dc benny he he also models but he's a oh <laughs> uh, that's crazy dude that is crazy well i'm I'm looking forward to being able to you know talk a little bit about that change you know yeah. I, I it's it's been you know there's these little things because you know like you said you know being on the subway in the city, it's like the bottle starts rolling. You see this. There's the guy, the dude who comes in who's trying to hustle you. There's, you know, it was, I, I devoured that stuff. And now I felt like, I feel like now I've done it. And now I'm kind of trying to transition to being this fish out of water there. Because there, there, where I am, there's people who've been there. There's levels of like, people have been there from like 1645 and came over on the ship and you know, you're not a Horton. You're not, you know, <laughs> so there's that kind of shit. It, it's kind of like being in the town, you know, where they shot jaws. It's a little like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's, it's been an interesting, but then there are these Brooklynites that are there that are, um, that are, uh, you know, these kind of expat Brooklynites that I kind of have found a little circle. So it's, it's it's uh it'll be interesting to see how it evolves for sure. Yeah. Was that always was that always your style when you did stand up like when you were younger is that your personality to kind of like to kind of like cuz you do paint a picture so well in that sometimes like I was thinking of this watching the special I was like you're almost like a like a rough if if Woody Allen could fight in a shot like you know like 
like you and I hate using Woody Allen as an example now that sounds so horrible but you do you have a way of presenting a side of New York that he that he would have never seen because he wasn't tough enough but you but but even it's just your experience and and like was that like was were you like that when you were younger you know for me it was that I would I thought back on this for me it was always that these things would happen to me man I don't know what it was I sort of attracted crazy things. And I've, I, our, my life was unusual. I've had an unusual life. I've, as I'm sitting in my dad's house, I'm thinking, what, a, you, it, it, what an odd life. You know, my dad's a painter, an artist. My mother's a dancer. I grew up in this kind of creative little enclave of their house in DC, which was very, at that time, you know, you got your George Bush haircut, and your penny loafers, and you, you know, you work at the government. So there was not like creative stuff fostered. And uh, I had a stalker when I was a kid. That lady thought she was my mother. And then there was that dude at the Boston who thought he was my dad. That was the, the Puerto Rican guy who fell asleep in the back. Did you ever, he used to sleep in the back of the club. He's always like, I'm DC Benny's dad. I'm DC Benny's dad. And people come up like, yo, your dad uh, borrowed $20 from me. I'm like, it's not my dad. <laughs> it's not my dad, dude. <laughs> that dude's four foot one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I always, yeah, I always took these, I always tried to just absorb what was around me like just these and new york was just so rich for that you know just you're it's like you can if you fine tune your your comedic little spidey senses there's so much going on and i'd always try and be in the thick of it you know and and also coming from like starting in black clubs and being the white guy i always had to bring the concentrate yeah there was a time to how to deem edwards say it he said there wasn't time for exposition uh <laughs> i was agree. that is so there wasn't time for exposition that's so that is so the boston too it's like yeah it was yeah, the boston let's not, too let's not get too deep into it let's where's the joke <laughs> but you know man it, it's it's just uh i i it, it took me a, a really 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 long time to get my voice going and and now i feel like it's finally there where I can talk about shit in my life, but it used to be, I was just doing these really characters and then observations with the characters. And now it's like the full narrative, which really came from why I go back to it. It was always, my friends would be like, tell me that story about, you know, X thing that happened. And I tell them, and I'd always want to be able to put that on stage, but I didn't know how to do it. And now I feel like I figured it out, you know? So that's that kind of evolution, I guess. This podcast is also brought to you by Cushy Dreams. By the way, Cushy Dreams, they, their, their logo should be, do you love the smell of marijuana? Do you love the feel of marijuana? Do you hate panic attacks? Do you love to relax? Well, then welcome to Cushy Dreams. I'm telling you, it's pre-rolled joints, CBD joints that are smokable. And these are premium. I'm telling you right now, they taste exactly like high quality weed. They smell exactly like high quality weed. They've got the same favorite blends you love. I love Cushy Dreams. They sent me a pack of pre-rolls. It was, it was I think, single joints and they each had a name, you know, like, uh, like Relax, uh, Dreams. It was absolutely awesome. I traded, uh, I traded one with Snoop. I gave him one of Cushy Dreams. And he gave me one of his blunts. His blunt, by the way, his blunt was like a $70 blunt. I don't know. And, and he was like, fair trade, switch, switch. You can enjoy all the benefits of CBD, which we've been doing on the road this entire tour. CBD for us, after I've had a cocktail, I like to take 
a little CBD to go to sleep. Everyone on the bus was taking CBD. And these are under 0.3% THC. So you're not getting high, no panic attacks. And by the way, this they can ship this directly to you. It's legal in all 50 states. So join all the dudes and chicks that are sick of vapes and gummies and they want to smoke their CBD. It's I'm telling you, it's like a cigar. It's literally like, it's like, a, it's got the, you know how the same relaxing benefits? High quality marijuana. Feels like high quality marijuana. Tastes like high quality marijuana. 100% hand trim. Never machine trim. They take an artisanal approach and run little small batches. Independent lab testing to show compliance and purity. Every batch is slowly cured two to four weeks for a maximum guarantee of freshness, preserved flavor, and cannabinoids. And it's all done in the U.S. Cushy Dreams has these pre-roll joints, and they come in indica, sativa, and like I said, energy, hustle, relax, dream. I'm telling you. You got to try it. You're going to love it. Go to cushydreams.com. Uh, that's K-U-S-H-Y and get some high quality CBD bud. At checkout, use the promo code BERT to get 20% off every order and smoke your CBD like a gentleman. Were you um, an only child? Uh, no, I got two brothers. Um, one brother's a <laughs> is a U.S. Marshal in, in, uh, in where is he now? Columbia. He's living in Columbia. And the other one is uh, in LA. He's a, uh, he designs cars and stuff like that. And he's, he's a, uh, he's really talented, man. He does, you know, and he's funny. He came, he actually came and told the story. Uh, uh, he, the only time he'd ever been on stage. I'm like, dude, you got to tell that story about the next door neighbors. When we stole, they had a Jesus sign uh, that, and it said, joy, the Colvins. And it was a it was a dove like flying with a you know it was this huge sign on their porch and he got drunk one night and took it and and, and balled it up in, <laughs> in our house and then uh, and then afterwards he returned it and came out of the closet and it was like it was just like this crazy story. <laughs> but um, yeah, he, he was funny dude. Uh, real tight with him and uh, uh, but I was the only child for a long stretch and so I was really you know. Oh, are they younger? Uh, yeah, they're younger. Yeah. I'm really? So wait, your brothers must be, what, 40s? Yeah, th- I think the one is just turning 40. Yeah, the other guy's like, yeah, he's like 45, something like that. Oh, wow. You know, um, so, uh, you know, those, th- those are, you know, uh, it's, it's uh, and then uh, we don't have, you have kids, right? You have kids? I have two kids. Yeah, you always, you decided not to have kids, but that was like a decision you had right up front. I did. I did. I just never. And my, you know, that was the thing when I, I met my wife was that we, neither of us wanted kids and everybody around us is like, ah, that's going to change. That's going to change. But I like being, I like being an uncle. I liked, I grew up in this house. My mom had a dance studio built in this house. So there was always kids in this house and she was always teaching dance to these kids. And I always wanted to, you know, like spend more time with my mom, but she was always, you know, with these other kids, I feel like somehow that may have impacted me. I don't know. Um, and then my, my wife's father was a gynecologist. So she, he'd always have these like vagina books open on the kitchen table. And she's like, okay, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah. want to have to go through that, you know? <laughs> um, but no, we, so yeah, I'm just, I'm chilling being an uncle. I love, I love my nieces and nephews and, 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 and cooling with them. And I, and I'm, I get to be a little selfish with my time and I, you know, my wife and, myself our relationship with each other uh is um one that we put everything into so we derive i guess the the pleasure that a lot of people have from children 
you know, we're each other's spouse and each other's kids, kind of. You know, I don't know what's yeah. if that's funny. Well, that's but, the coolest uh, thing you know, I've ever fucking heard. You know, it's uh, it's 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 a good deal. I'm, I'm glad I found someone else who's on the same page. You know, and uh, I don't know, I don't know what the right decision is or whatever, but uh, it, it 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 suits us. You know. Yeah, I think I think more people should pay attention to that to that in their head of whether of like what they really want. I, I mean, I'll be very candid. I did not, I didn't think through having kids. I just was like, I was like, Hey, you want to do this? And you know, like, I didn't think like, I didn't think like, and I wish I had, or maybe I, I wish I had, and I'm glad I'm very happy with everywhere where my life went, but uh, it would have been interesting if someone said, Hey, just give you a heads up. You're a super selfish person. And you're also very driven and you're, going to disappear from their lives for the first 16 years you're going to be gone touring and like hey maybe how's this going to affect everyone like and it worked out fine but man i i have huge regrets uh with as hard as i worked from when i was with a travel channel I, i wouldn't change anything but i definitely i am envious of bill who's having kids now and uh-huh. is I mean, I, d- doing shit I never could have done. When we do our podcast, and and I think you're going to come on soon, right? I hope so. I, I yeah. mean, I, you know, but this is, uh, I'm happy that you, you know, you found a little time for me, bro. Oh, dude, you know? I, 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 as soon as I saw your special, I started listening to it and I called and I was like, I got to get DC on. But um, but I'm jealous of, I'm jealous, I think is the right word, of like Bill's commitment to his family like i i didn't have that when i was younger i didn't have the opportunity to have it you know i didn't like bill just will go all right podcast is over i gotta go spend my daughter's waking up and he literally will stop the pot and i never when i was younger i was like no my daughter's waking up but i need this opportunity to try to make some money and so i didn't have that that insight and i look at bill and segura and rogan i mean rogan i I remember one time we were talking on his podcast and he was like I said, yeah, I got to get home. My wife's out of town. And he's like, what are you working for? I was like, what? He was like, what do you, you shouldn't be even doing the podcast. You should be home with the girls. And I remember going like, oh, that's not my life. Like my life is like, I got to work all the time. He's like, man, when my wife goes out of town, I shut it down. No work. I'm with my daughters 24 hours a day. And in my head, I'm like, first of all, I couldn't even fucking do that. I don't know who can do that. But second of all, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I, I work every chance I get. I fucking, I'm sorry. I, I wish I could. I guess it's that early imprinting when you're a young father and you're going to read a book to your daughter. And all you can think is I got no fucking money. I got no direction. I got no career. I'm a loser. Stop reading this book, write a joke, write a fucking script, come up with a pitch. And then, and then I'm not in the moment. I'm just going like, I'm like, I want to, I want to stop the book and go, you have no idea what a fucking piece of shit I am. Like, (laughs) but. Well, I think, you know, but that's the nature of the beast with comedy. It's like, you know, when you get, it takes, it's hard to feel like you're secure, you know, because the checks stop coming. They, they often stop coming. You got a family, you know, it's, it's a tough decision to make. And I think later in life, you know, Bill's blessed that later in life, you know, he, he can, he's, he's set. And now you, you can really, you don't have to make those decisions. You can be like, no, nah, I'm not doing that gig. I'm just my daughter's birthday, you know, whereas earlier on you got that mortgage to pay, uh, you know, you're going to be, it's, it's, it's a tough decision. You don't know when those checks stop. You don't know when the last gig, every gig could be the last gig you know, with this stuff. That's what it feels remember, like I remember, anyway. I remember calling Frosty. Uh, I was about to have Georgia and I, I had some money from doing television 
And my accountant called me or my, my business manager called me and said, Hey, just so you know, after taxes, you're going to have no money. You're actually going to owe some money. <laughs> so you got to start working. And I didn't, I, I mean, I'm about to have a kid. I'm about uh. to have a kid. And I had, so I was like, I'm going to take the month off and, and be there for my wife when she gives birth. And, and I was like, said to my wife, I was like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. She was like, I called my dad. I remember my dad laughing at me and he was like, ha, ha, now you know what it's like to be a father and just hung up. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and he just called me. He goes, you call Matt Frost and you say, I need to work. And Matt Frost put me to work starting June 7th on my daughter's, like I went I, the day after June 9th, I went on the road and I was on the road forever. I mean, I just like every week I got a chance. I was like, I got to make money. And, uh, and there's it's no it's no sob story i'm fucking very happy i would do it again the exact same way i, I wanted to provide for everyone but it yeah. but i look at guys like i look at guys like yourself who went that's not for me jen kirkman is a is a you know an la comic and she just at a very very young age said i don't want children and i remember hearing that going god man who says that yeah like, and then you become a father and you're like oh people who know who they are <laughs> yeah, well, it ain't for everybody. And, you know, you always have some regrets. You know, I mean, I see, I see uh, all my friends' kids, you know, all my friends' kids growing up and, you know, I hang out with them and all that. And I never got to experience that. But, man, I, I you know, my wife and I are like this dude. We chill together and we, did, I mean, we, we hang out together all the time. And I love it. I'm, I, I love it. And we don't have the pressure of like, I don't know what it's like in LA, but in New York, the schools like getting into a, the right school and it's 40 grand each for this and, you know, for each kid and, and college and the, the competition. And then these other, you know, and, and then the kids don't go out anymore. They're like this all the time. And what it's, it's so different than my experience. I don't know how I'd be as a parent, even, you know what I mean? I feel like, just, oh, I think uh, I think you'd be a great. I think I mean I I think you'd be a great dad. I think you're a very great dad. But I I'm basing that off of just the fact that I think you're fucking hilarious. Like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot, dude. Well, I'm I'm uh I'm 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 happy that uh you you we could reconnect a little bit and to see what's yeah. going on with you and and all this stuff, man. I see you doing all this stuff. It's it's always it's always great. I remember. You know the first Will Smith deal or whatever it was. And, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this very candidly. I remember Barry Katz said to me, uh, it was on a, a Friday night. It was the first Friday night spot I ever got. But I knew that room very well, and I knew that room and who worked that room. I I, I can't remember the lineup. I remember Lewis Schaefer was hosting, and I want to say I wish I could remember, but some some I want to say like fucking Karen Burgreen opened and uh, and I remember Barry Katz said I'll put you on wherever you want and I said because he was like Will Smith companies here they want to take a look at you wherever you want and I went okay and I looked at the lineup and I was like I'll go up after Karen thinking she'll set it up I'll do good and she had a rough spot whoever it was went first had a rough spot and you were next and I went I rolled the dice I go okay I know for a fact that DC is going to shake them out of this and light this room on fire. But I don't know if I can follow him. And I remember going, <laughs> but I know that I might bomb right now. And I pivoted and I said, let DC go up. Can I go up after DC? And Barry's like, Papa, the <laughs> tough guy to follow. And I said, oh, I, know, I think this room is dead. You went up and you literally punched them until 
they got to a point where they were like, all right, all right, now we're ready. And I went up. I have no idea what I said on that stage. I'm sure it was Puerto Rican this, black guy that. <laughs> like, I, whatever I said, it fucking flowed through. And I remember just literally getting off going, I just rode DC's wave into a development deal. I just uh, got onto the back of your wave, paddled in, stood up and was like, Oh, <laughs> went through, got out. And then they were, I remember, I remember DC. They were like, they were like, uh, Hey, uh, um, they want to come see you one more time. And I was like, well, hold on. You got to get busy. You want me to do that twice? I get it once. Why can't I do it? Get this, this? <laughs> Oh, that's great. I never knew that. I never oh. knew that. I had no idea. I just, oh yeah. I, you know. I was, I was very like, cause I knew that room and I knew, I knew how everyone operated in that room and how, how people's sets could go and were affected in that room. And, and it was just a packed Saturday, Friday night. And it was not, it just, they weren't ready. And I remember yeah. Barry Katz going, what Papa, wherever you want to go up. And, and I was like, oh, I'll go second. And then it, it did not. I was like, no, can I go third? Fourth, 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 fourth. But yeah, I want to, I want to leave, I want to leave some meat on the bone. Cause I want, when we talk on Bill Burt, I don't want to have to rehash everything else, but I'm dying to hear about your father being a painter. I want to talk more about your parents and, and, awesome. and I, and I can't wait to rehash a lot of these stories and hear Bill's take. But, uh, but li literally Bill and I were, I want to say we said this on the podcast or we said this off the podcast where we're like, hey, DC's special is fucking amazing. Oh, man. Like goes, that means a lot, man. That oh, means a lot, dude. Man. You know, for, we you did know, it with nothing, man. We just, you know, we shot it. We just wanted it bare bones. It was this guy, Joe Arecchio, to, you know, and this dude, Luke, and we, three, you know, as I said, brokerage, can we shoot it there? And we, it's going to be black and white, and we had some bullshit lighting. I don't know how we, we wanted to be like Raging Bull, man, you know, and, uh, uh, and it, I'm very, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, it, it, I'm happy that I'm happy for you guys, both of you guys success. And I'm happy that you remembered me and oh, are giving bro. me a shout out like that. I mean, it's real, bro. cool. It's no, real you're, cool. a lot, a lot don't, you know, I'm not going to mention any names, but a lot don't. So I appreciate <laughs> it, man. Really? <laughs> hey, listen, if the, if the special was garbage, we wouldn't have said anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, you, you are the best you are like i'm telling you it's it's you know just like we were saying so many people came out to la and and copped dane's style and then took it off and tried to do it there are so many people myself included who watched you when i started and just our our styles formed off of watching you and and i mean I, honestly honestly without a fucking doubt I would never have gotten to be able to tell the machine story if it wasn't for those room that those nights at the zinc bar, because, because those that, are, that you're, you're holding to the line of like, this is not, you're not going up there to do bits. You're there for a story. So dig your heels in, tell the story. It's got to have a beginning, middle and end, like get, like get through your story. And then, and you would go up on a, on with nothing and just start and tell a story and go, this is the energy we're having in this room. All right. Awesome. Our first comic up tonight. It's got a great story. Put your hands together. And I'm telling you when I say this without a fucking doubt. And I, and I used to get litigious about it because so many people remember that room as you and Ben Bailey and definitely. And I was like, I was there those first three weeks. 
I was there with DC. I was helping him fill the room. And I was like, and I was like, and I was yeah. like, you understand, like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was going to DC going, Hey, I have a story about working out like in the basement of Barnes and Noble. Do you, what do you, th-? and you were like, you're like, okay, hold on, slow down, slow down, slow down. Like, so it's, it's so, I mean, I'm so grateful that I got to be in, in your, in your wake for a minute and, and trail in and learn how to do stand up. But you, your style and who you are as a comic is, and same as Tony Woods is so influential on so many people. So, I mean, well, I appreciate it, brother, man. And I, 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 uh, I look forward to talking to you guys and, uh, I wish you the best. Um, thank you for the shout to my, for my special man. It means a lot, you know, that, uh, I could just put it out there and have people see it and have guys like you and, and Bill, you know, kind of give it the thumbs up, you know, it's, it's it means a lot, you know, it's, it's, it could just sit on a shelf. That's really, you know, how it goes <laughs> right now. Let me, see. I wonder if I've got it. I got what it. could oh, it be? What could it be? <laughs> oh my God. This, I'm being dead serious. When I, when I used to hand these out at the Boston Comedy Club. Oh shit, the flyer, dude. When I used the to hand flyer. these out, my, I remember I got put on this flyer because I got to oh. deal with Will Smith, right? That's the legendary flyer, man. With the big picture of Lewis in the middle. That's big picture of Lewis Schaefer. And I got put, I got put on the bottom. And I remember people, I remember Patrice being like, how the fuck did you get on the fucking flyer? How the fuck? I was like, Barry makes the flyer. I don't know, man. I can't tell you. And I'm, and I'm being dead serious when I say this. I did not deserve to be on this flyer. Uh, My entire career was set to make sure that I somehow, people would look at this flyer and go, oh, it makes sense that Burt Kreischer's on there. It makes sense. Well, it sure and, does, man. And it fact, sure does. And look, I, it's the smoking picture of you. <laughs> the smoking profile. <laughs> it's the smoking picture. Oh, man. But if you, oh, told, me, man. If you told me <clears throat> 20 fucking two years ago, I guess 22 years ago, that that, and I'm being serious, and I know you have to understand this, that the guy handing out the flyers would be, doing a podcast and, and considered a peer of you, I would be like, shut the fuck up. I made it. I fucking made it. Like I stuck through the business. I'm, I'm at like DC and I are like, we're, we're shut the fuck up. So it's, it's an, it's, it really means a lot to be able to do a podcast with you. Talk about that old shit. And then feel like I, I deserve my spot on the flyer. I'm you deserve, bro. You deserve it. You deserved it back then. You deserve it now. You're, you know, you're doing great work and it's, you know, it's uh, you always had your your untakeable, undefinable style, and you you just grew into it, man. And it's great to see, man. It's great to see you do your thing. Go out there, you take your shirt off, you hit them with the machine. They go nuts, man. I mean, uh, it's it's great to see, bro. And I'm very happy for you. And uh, I, you know, this is a real nice this is a real nice way to for me to start a rainy day, man. I really oh, enjoy well, it. Great, you know. We'll 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 talk to you on Bill Burt soon, and it, uh, and once again, congrats on the special. It's amazing, man. Thank you, dude. I'll talk to you soon, man. Take care. Awesome. Be safe. Peace. All right. Thank Let's you, brother. Man. Thank you, man. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.